1: I need a second to get set up. I uh, thought I had enough hands, but apparently two is not enough. Lord, why did you only give me two? <laughs> I um, need to set a timer for myself because if anyone's ever heard of me talk, not even just speak, like preach, but if I talk, it just... Ask my wife. Um, But I wanted to just share this word. I feel like the Lord gave me uh, this word for the men. Shout out to my Monday men. What what? I love hanging out with you guys. But the Lord gave me this word uh, a couple months ago. I was listening to a podcast. Uh, If anybody has, again, if you've ever listened to me talk, I will run my mouth constantly about The Basement with Tim Ross. That's my jam. Uh, Shane knows what's up uh, because, you know, it's so good. But uh, one thing that Tim Ross said, and I was driving one one morning, I was driving to work, and I heard uh, this in the podcast. He said this. It was, uh, if, if we can remember one thing today, I think it's this. The Lord bought you as you were, but he never had the intention of keeping you there. The Lord bought you as you were, but he never had the intention of keeping you there so I was like alright Lord why is that standing out to me I know that like, that's uh, I think Christianity 101 uh, at least it should be right uh, but I was like alright Lord why, why does it stand out and, and I feel like this is what the Lord told me he says I am like one of those crazy garage sale ladies who buys a piece of overpriced garbage furniture and I do a 180 restoration let the Lord do his restoration and work in you Sometimes there's just some sanding that needs to be done and sometimes entire parts need to be replaced. Let the carpenter do his job. Remember that oftentimes the last step is repainting or re-staining the wood. A whole lot of improvement can be made before it's actually seen on the outside. Let the carpenter do his work. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you are a amazing carpenter. You are the you are the potter. Let us be the clay this morning. In your name, amen. Starting my timer now. All right. So uh, for real quick, I want to shout out. Uh, we have been in this, this uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and as part of that, Tyrone said, hey church, um, every week we already do prayer on Tuesday nights. Uh, this time we're gonna add some food in there to entice you to come, right? Uh, but uh, one thing you need to know as a church is that we were already doing prayer every Tuesday nights, and we're going to continue to do prayer every Tuesday nights. We're just not gonna provide food. Um, but you can eat at home and then be here at 7 p.m. every Tuesday night uh, to pray. And uh, you can come here for prayer too. We loved, uh, we've spent multiple times um, laying hands on people during that time. Uh, some There's some excellent ladies in the house who have just been devoted to prayer for years on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. And it was like two or three of them just here every single week. Um, sometimes just one of them. And, uh, and we're saying, you know what you guys are, you're out and you're now in the form, right? You've been doing it for three weeks. You've been coming on Tuesday. Keep coming. You don't got to stop. There's no reason to stop. So, uh, I, again, another formal invitation from the platform, uh, please come on Tuesday nights, 7 PM for prayer. Um, So this scripture, Solomon, Solomon, this guy, is uh, in the middle of um, becoming king in this moment, right? His dad, David, uh, one of the dopest kings in all the world ever. Um, David is super old, and he had promised his like eighth wife, <laughs> Bathsheba, that he would make one of her sons the king after he was going to die. And so he said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. He makes Solomon the king, and then Solomon is like, yo... I'm glad I did actually get to be able to become king, but I'm dumb. Like, I don't know anything. I cannot run a country. And so when God sees that he is continuing to love the Lord, he says, I'll give you anything. What do you want, Solomon? And Solomon asks for wisdom. And then the Lord says, as long as you continue to worship me and follow my ways, you'll live a long life and you'll live just like your father did. And uh, then after that, uh, Solomon gets to be known as uh, he's very well known as the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, And then he died as the dumbest man who ever lived. Uh, But he lived for a while as the wisest man who ever lived. The reason he died as the dumbest man, and I'll tell you as a man of one wife, the reason he died as the dumbest man is because he married 700 women and had 300 concubines. Um, I don't know about y'all married men out there, but how many of y'all will agree one's enough? Right, all right, one is enough. Uh, I love my wife, Uh, she is amazing, Uh, but it is work, marriage is work, right? And it takes a lot to keep her happy, right? Same for me, it takes a lot for her to keep me happy, I'm not just saying anything about her, but it does, it takes a lot. Sometimes I'm like, Man, I gotta, I gotta work hard at this. At 700? I did yesterday. So, 700 wives and uh, and all, multiple of these wives worshipped different gods. He liked, uh, Solomon it says specifically he liked women of many different nationalities. He had women from all over the world. He was marrying, just, I mean, dude, dude was being dumb. Uh, and he then, ultimately, he started worshipping the, their other gods or allowing them to worship other gods, build idols to those other gods and his wisdom was basically taken away from him. Um, so, I want to talk about the Solomon before he got dumb, all right? So let's, uh, <laughs> let's focus on Solomon of one wife, right? All right. So one last thing I forgot to shout out, and Louie's going to hate me because my slides are all over the place today. But uh, and, and just a couple of weeks on Sunday, it's going to be what? Super the Super Bowl. It's also going to be Super Sports Sunday. Sunday. Sunday every year at Rivers Church during Family Month we do super sports Sunday 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 so The way this is going to work, a couple years ago, I came up with this game, Uh, and if you could throw the slide up here, because I don't even remember what I named it, Uh, Wiffle Tennis 8 Base, that's the game, Wiffle Tennis 8 Base, everybody say it with me, Wiffle Tennis 8 Base, it's fantastic, we're going to play a game of Wiffle Tennis 8 Base, it's going to be Team Tony versus Team Drew, okay, so I need you all to decide now. Remember who's holding the microphone? Right, I need y'all to decide now which team you're gonna be on, and be ready to get a little athletic after church. Now here's the deal: Andrew more athletic than me. Let's be real. I won't fight it. I won't fight it. More athletic than me. So maybe you want to be on the athletic team of Andrew, or you could be on my team, and I made up the game, so the rules are in my head. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I, I definitely changed the rules like three or four times during the game last time we played it, uh, but you you know, you live and you learn, so be ready, wear some more athletic shoes, I did not last time, and I hated myself for like a week and a half, so Wiffle, tennis, eight base Team Tony versus Team Drew, be here, also, uh, we need some grills, if anyone wants to... Talk to me after service about bringing a grill in so we could grill some burgers. That'd be great. If you also need your grill for a Super Bowl party later in the day, don't volunteer it up because I don't want to make promises that we can just hand it off right away. Okay, back to back to my message here. So, whew. after Solomon gets this wisdom, he does something pretty cool. I was um. I was not going to share this verse, and then I was talking to my wife about it. Again, she's smart and awesome, and I love her. Uh, And she was like, actually, that's one of my favorite parts of scripture. So I'm going to share it, if anything, just for my wife. So sometime later, this is uh, verse 16 here. This is right after what John Mark read. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she uh, was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone and there were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over onto it. Then she got up in the middle of the night. She took my son from beside me while I was asleep and she laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth uh, before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim that the living child is yours, and each of you says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword, and a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child into two halves. Give one half to one woman and one half to the other woman. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants the baby to live. She is his mother. When all of Israel heard this, uh, heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king. For they saw the wisdom of God had given him for rendering justice. Um, Immediately, like he gets an opportunity to show the kingdom that this wasn't just a dream between him and the Lord, but then he actually does gain wisdom from God. And uh, you know, this is super wise because anybody ever looked at two babies and you can't tell them apart? They're just babies. Like, I mean, you're cute, but you're just a blob, right? Let's just be real. So Solomon was real smart here by saying, well, just cut it in half. And you're like, what? And uh, yeah, amazing opportunity for him to show his wisdom. So why do I bring up the wisdom of Solomon? Well, Solomon also is known as the most predominant writer of the book of Proverbs. How many of y'all love Proverbs? Not enough hands, let's be real. So here's what I'm learning. Uh, I did not like Proverbs for the most of uh, my life because it just seems sporadic and all over the place and just like a bunch of like quick witty sayings, right? Uh, but what I learned is all of the people, including my wife, that I find like super wise, Like almost all of them literally read a proverb every single day. There's 31 proverbs, so you can literally wake up in the morning and read a proverb. Doug is like, I do that every day, and he wasn't even on my list of wisest people. Look at that. I'm just like, <laughs> uh, he's a Chiefs fan. I can't help it. So I'm really hoping Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl so Doug and I can have a party. Um, so... In the book of Proverbs, I personally see, now I am not a theologian or biblical scholar. I'm just a dude who Tyrone entrusted with the microphone. So there's a problem. Talk to him. But what I see is these three constant themes throughout Proverbs. Number one is honor your parents. Honor your parents. Why? People say that. I had somebody ask me this on Monday, man, and I really feel like the Lord told me this on the spot. And then some other wise people confirmed it later. Uh, But I think the biggest reason why you need to honor your mother and father is because if you can learn to submit to their authority, you will not have a problem submitting authority in your life. So have you ever met a kid that you just wanted to punt? You just want to like Pat McAfee, right? You just want to get rid of that kid, right? And you're like, yo, you never listen to your parents. You're crazy. You're all over the place. How many of you are like, when that kid's an adult, I'm going to hire him no one, right? You're like, he's never going to listen to me. He's going to cry. He's going to complain. All the kids today who are like constantly getting fired from jobs, um, I bet you they never, ever listened to their parents. Their parents never showed them the rod. You know what I'm saying? So uh, don't spare that rod. All right. Honor your parents. Number two, don't be lazy. This is my problem. Let's be real. I love sleep. When Rachel and I first got married, one of the biggest things that we fought over, straight up, I'm just going to be real, uh, is I could sleep until 1, 2 in the afternoon. And Rachel would literally come and she would sit at the foot of the bed and go, why don't you love me? Just love me. And I'm like, what? I'm asleep. And she's like, get up. Spend time with me. I've been up since 5 a.m. I'm like, why are you up since 5 a.m.? It's Saturday. It's it's not even 1 yet. But I don't need to be up. It's not 1. I struggle with being lazy, which is why my topic today is important. And number three is seek wisdom and counsel. That's where I'm landing today. Seek wisdom and counsel. How many of y'all can say you've been hurt before? Maybe you've been hurt by a family member. Uh, maybe you've been hurt by somebody you were supposed to trust. Uh, maybe you, I didn't say you put your hands down. Come on, I'm trying to get more hands up. Let's go. All right. How many of you can say maybe you've been hurt by a church before? All right. All right hands up. Everybody with your hand up, go to counseling. All right. Not kidding though. I am a huge fan of counseling. Once I even said this, I kid you not. I said this to my sister-in-law who was like, I'll never go to counseling. That's for dumb people. They need help. And I'm like, you need help. Um, But I I Seriously, I said this, and I truly mean it. If I die and people go, now, one thing that Tony really did, obviously, besides showing them Jesus, is Tony really helped erase the stigma of counseling in my life. Um, I will be happy to have you think of that about me when you die. Counseling is good. Go do it. Even if you think you're good or people are going to make fun of you, if all of us went to counseling at the same time, first off, a lot of counselors would make a lot of money real quick and they would love me. But second... None of us can make fun of somebody else for being a counseling because we're all in there. So let's just do it, all right? So Solomon, this super wise guy, again, before he had way too many wives, dummy. So the super wise man, what did he do? He writes the book of Proverbs and he tells you this. He tells you to honor your parents, don't be lazy and seek wisdom and counsel. So if the wisest man who ever lived says to honor your parents, don't be lazy and seek wisdom and counsel, what do you think we should do? Honor your parents, don't be lazy, and seek wisdom and counsel. So I hope you all are note takers. If you're not, you're about to be today, okay? So everybody grab your Bible. Hopefully you got a paper one. If not, I forgive you. But grab your paper Bible, hopefully, and grab a pen. There should be a pen around here. I'm not expecting you to underline everything. Just circle the little number next to the proverb. Maybe if you're on your phone, you can just highlight it real quick. Um, Might be slightly more complicated, you version is awesome, but not for what I'm about to have you do, okay? I'm just going to walk through a bunch of Proverbs, and we are going to look at the consistent theme here uh, in these Proverbs. So um, to be honest, this is what I did. I just opened the book, started reading, and just circling. That's all I had to do. No extra research, because it's just right here, and Solomon does not shut up about seeking wise counsel and wisdom in your life. So we're going to start with the chapter 13, and then I'll just tell you the verse numbers as we go, and I'll read them. Uh, feel free to just circle it, because you need to remember these forever, okay? Ready? Boom. Thanks, my wife. I appreciate you. All right. 13, verse 13. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. 14. The instruction of, a, of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Real quick, with that verse 14, I had an amazing conversation with somebody, and they were like, I just don't have time. Like, we don't have time. I'm draining myself. I have no energy. How can I ever have a, a mentor in my life, somebody who's discipling me? Like, I need to be able to have recharge time because I'm getting sick. Well, verse 14 here says, the instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. So scripture is promising you the instruction of the wise will give you life. So don't think of mentorship or seeking counsel in your life as something that's another thing to put on your calendar that's going to drain you. This is something that will give you life. It is the opposite, okay? Verse 18, if you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. Verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with, associate with fools and get in trouble like Solomon's 700 wives. Verse 24, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children enough discipline them. Or those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Chapter 14, verse 4, without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. You will not be a strong ox without counseling and wisdom in your life. You need to have people in your life helping you grow. And that means that this stable might be a little ugly for a while. All right. Chapter 15, verse 5. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Verse 7, the lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. Verse 12, mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from the wise. Verse 14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. I don't like eating trash. Verse 17, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak with someone you hate. Verse 22, this one I double-circled, so maybe you should double-circle it. Plans go wrong for a lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Verse 31, if you listen to corrective criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you uh, verse 32, if you reject discipline, you will only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Chapter, six, uh, yeah, chapter 16, verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver? Verse 20. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Verse 23. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Chapter 17, verse 4. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. Whew. I'm going to read that one again just because that hits hard. How many of y'all, let's just be real, you struggle with gossip? That's me. I'm raising my hand because I struggle with it. Yeah, it's hard. Sometimes you just want to be heard or you want somebody to hear what you saw, uh, and it's it's sin. <laughs> I'm, I'm t- talking for myself. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. Verse 10 a single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. I'm saying, if you hit me a hundred times, I'm going to listen. So (laughs) if a single rebuke does more for a person of understanding, I'll take that rebuke instead. Verse 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. 24. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Chapter 18, verse 2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. <sighs> Let's talk about myself during uh, the last two elections. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. We all know about opinions, right? I heard this amazing word. Again, shout out to the basement. We are called ambassadors of Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador shuts off their own opinion, throws it away in the trash can, leaves it alone, locks it lock and key. And they show up to another country, and they only speak what their master tells them to speak. That's it. If they said, oh, so the president's saying this, but I think this, they're killed. (laughs) For other countries, we would throw them in prison. Uh, But that's it. You are a horrible ambassador if you're speaking your own opinion instead of the one who sent you. Let's be better ambassadors for Christ. Amen? Amen. Uh, verse 4 wise words are like deep waters wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook verse 15 intelligent people are always ready to learn their ears are open for knowledge verse 20 wise words wise words satisfy like a good meal the right words bring satisfaction verse 24. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Chapter 19, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. 18, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. I think that's a double, right? That's good for honoring your parents, but I think that's also good for a mentor relationship. Verse 20, get all of the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. I double circled that one. Get all of the advice and instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. Verse 27, if you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. Chapter 20 I think I broke the record for most Bible verses Louis had to put on slides. Uh, chapter 20, verse 5. Though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. Verse 15. Wise words are more valuable than much gold and rubies. And verse 18. Double circle it because it's good. Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Plan succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. So, do you need any more convincing that you should seek wisdom in your life? Nope? Okay, so now you've all signed up to find a mentor in your life. Let's do it. I am standing here today. The reason I'm here today, I've been at this church uh, for almost six years. Um, I've been uh, friends with Tyrone and Amy for over 10 is really crazy uh, I was hanging out with uh, with Jaden uh, yesterday with my daughter and then uh, their other adopted daughter so some of you may not know but Rachel and I are also in the process of adopting alongside but <laughs> what, what thank you Alongside with Tyrone and Amy, so we're going through this together. It's really cool. Uh, so I took the three girls out to uh, to Sky High yesterday. We we're all jumping. Not Sky High. That's the movie. Sky Zone. Bye bye. <laughs> Shout out to Disney Channel. Okay. So we went to Sky Zone yesterday, and I had this moment where I was like looking, and I and I looked at the two younger girls, and I looked at Jaden, and I was like, I have known Jaden like when she was younger than these two girls in front of me like just blew my mind uh oh was Jaden she's like staring at me now my bad <laughs> didn't know you were here <laughs> uh but it's just crazy to me I've known them for years and um some of you may have noticed uh I have been up here on the platform more the last year than I have the previous five right biggest reason for that the holy spirit 100% But the second is because over a year ago, I found myself in a very depressed place. Um, The third time in my life that I can say, like, I'm actively depressed and I know something is up and I need to change something. Right. And. Awkward. So I uh, (laughs) am talking so much my mouth, you know, just so anyway, so. I found myself just super depressed. I knew I wasn't being a good husband. I wasn't being a good uh, worker. Like I was horrible at work because I hated my boss, so I didn't want to do anything good for him. And I just found myself just like, I know I'm not a good husband. I'm only bringing money into the household. Like that's all I'm doing. If I take out the trash on time for the garbage man to come pick it up, like I've succeeded in marriage at that point. Like that would have been impressive, right? Right. Rachel hopefully would say I did a little better than that, but I, I, I was looking back reflectively and I'm like, I suck at this. I'm trying so hard to do this on my own. Uh, to, to be honest, like, so Rachel's dad is a major provider type, right? Like that guy pedaled to the metal, worked 60 hours a week. Um, he recently retired. And what he did is he looked back at all of the hours he had worked and he had worked like seven extra years worth of work just by doing overtime. And he was like, yeah, it's time to retire. Like, I've put in my time. And uh, so that brought pressure to me, though. I was like, I need to provide. Like, this guy entrusted me with his daughter. Like, I got to provide. And so I just shut everything down, and I just put the pedal to the metal, and I started grinding. One thing I did do is I did find a mentor at work, and I reached out to him. And within one year of starting to meet with that guy, I tripled my income. And so now I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it all by myself. I'm killing it. I'm providing for my family. And I was dying inside. I was here every Sunday. I was in that drum set, or I was over here playing bass every Sunday, but I was dying inside. and I was a horrible husband. I mean, I was a bad son. like I never talked to my family. Um, I was just bad. and I just knew like this is what the Lord has for me, right? Like the Lord has so much more for me than what I'm going through right now, and I need to fix this. So what did I do? Um, I basically, I promised my wife like it's time it's time that something changes because I'm, I'm, I'm depressed, I got to get out of this hole. And I said to her, I said, the last two times I got out of this hole was through Jesus. And so the only way I know how to get out of this is through Jesus. So uh, immediately I looked back and I remembered that about three years earlier, I was in a small group um, at an apartment complex and uh, somebody was sharing in this apartment complex and the Lord said to me, that guy is going to be your mentor. And I was like, no, that guy's going to expect a lot out of me. Uh, I'm gonna actually have to read my Bible. I've been doing real good playing Christian for like the last 10 years. All right, I don't wanna, I don't need to change. Uh, But in that moment, when I was finally desperate for change, I said, okay, it's time. And I know that this guy is gonna hold me to high expectations. So I reached out to Steve Meisenheimer and I said, Steve, like, can we hang out? And he was like, let's go. Let's go get some chips and salsa because he loves chips and salsa. So we sat down and we ate and Steve basically looked at me and he said, I've done this with multiple people and it fails. So are you going to be committed or not? And if you are, let's come back next week. And if you're not, that's cool. But I just need you to think about this and take it seriously. And I just looked at him and said, I'm desperate. So let's go. And a year later, I am a different person because of this relationship. Straight up. So first, I just want to acknowledge, like, thank you, Steve, for pouring into me. But one of the best things that Steve reminds me about all the time uh, is that, like, yes, Steve is pouring into me, but our relationship is just life-giving, like it said here in the scripture. And so Steve enjoys hanging out with me, one, because I'm fun, but two, he enjoys because it's life-giving, right? Right. We have such a good time hanging out, bouncing ideas off of each other and just talking. And, uh, and that very real hardcore mentor relationship, while it's still a mentor relationship, it's becoming more and more like a brotherly relationship as time goes on. And that's super important because we all need that in our lives. And so the reason my, Tyrone is tr- entrusting me with his microphone is because he sees the fruit in my life over the last year. If there is no fruit, nothing's happening, right? Um, one of the things that Steve taught me, I never fully understood the fruit of the Spirit. And I just knew, like, okay, cool, then you want to try really hard to have patience. Uh, don't, you ever heard, don't pray for patience? The Lord will give you an opportunity, right? I'll tell you what, the moment I had a seven year old move into my life, uh, moved into my house, I kid you not, <laughs> Dan's laughing. He's like, this is why I don't want kids. Um, the moment I had a seven-year-old move into, move into my house, I, I tell you, you can ask the Monday man. I told him, I was like, I'm terrified. I don't have enough patience. And here I am. I'm going to bring a kid into my house. And it's not just like a screaming baby where I'm like, oh, but you're cute. It's like a seven-year-old where I'm like, you should be able to know and think differently than what you're doing right now, right? Uh, I kid you not, immediately, my patience multiplied exponentially. I did nothing. I just became a father. That's the only thing that happened and immediately my patients multiplied exponentially because that's the God we serve. So um, anyway, so I had like seven things I was gonna say there, but let's just plow through. So I want to uh, give you four things in a good mentor relationship, uh, four things to look for in a mentor because what I'm telling you right now is, I'm just gonna be honest, like get a mentor or die. Like, (laughs) can I just be real? Like, get a mentor or die. It's just that simple. And I don't mean die physically, I mean spiritually, I mean emotionally. Like, you need somebody in your life you can have these conversations with. I remember what I was saying patience, fruit of the spirit. Boom. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me. So, um, I didn't understand the fruit of the spirit. I just thought these are things I need to strive hard to do. What Steve helped me understand was no, it's fruit of. It's not things that you worked hard to achieve. It is a fruit of the spirit, meaning you spend time with the spirit, you bear fruit of the spirit. So I didn't grow in patience because I just sat there and said, Jesus, give me patience. Jesus, give me patience. Right. Or I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go stand in line at the DMV. Right. I didn't just get patience by putting myself in those situations. Right. I grew in patience by spending time with Jesus. I grew in patience by pausing and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through me and that giving me more life, which then helped me grow in patience. The biggest one is self-control. How many of you all have just tried to stop sinning before? (laughs) How did that go? Right? Horrible. You know what helps? Spend time with Jesus. Then the fruit of that is self-control. So you want to know how you're doing? Measure yourself. If you want to say, how am I doing in my relationship with Jesus? Write it down. How am I doing, scale of one to 10 on all of these. Steve made me do that in the middle of Violuna and I felt dumb. I was like, I'm like a three uh, on everything. Um, But now I can honestly say, I feel like a nine, like a 10 on a lot of these things because the Lord is just moving in me because of this relationship. So here are four things that you should be looking for in a good mentor. Now, first thing, caveat, the number one thing you should be looking for above all of these four things, is that the Holy Spirit sends you to that person. Hands down, first stop, pray, okay? Now that we got that out of the way, here's some practical things. That's also practical, but you get what I'm saying. So when you're looking for somebody to mentor you, number one, they need to be further along than you in X. What is X? It could be further along in you than following Jesus. They could be further along than you in just listening to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been following Jesus the same amount of time as this person, but you're one of those people who believe the Holy Spirit was like done. (laughs) And now you're experiencing the Holy Spirit. And so you're like, I need to hang out with somebody who understands the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. This person could be the same age as you. It doesn't mean that like, especially as we get older, right? Age is kind of different. Um, like it doesn't mean you have to for i mean steve is 30 years older than me which is awesome which means he's experienced 30 years worth more of stuff than me that i get to learn from him and hopefully not make the same mistakes he did right like that's great that's what he wants for me too right um holla that's a good part of a relationship mentor relationship he doesn't want me to make the same mistakes he did so anyway but it could literally be the person sitting right next to you right now Right? You don't know. Maybe they're the exact same age, but man, they've been, they've been following Jesus and you're just figuring this thing out. Hey, can you help me? Right? Number two, they have a track record of showing that they are a person of integrity. Um, again, look at their fruit. How is their life? What are they doing? How do they manage their household? Right? Uh, like if the baby's kicking and screaming everywhere and running the whole household, maybe you don't want to hang out with that person and learn from them. They need to get their household in order. Dan's still like... I can't do it. I can't do it. The Lord did not give me enough patience. Uh, (laughs) Number three, this person will elevate you above themselves when the time is right. So this does not mean, okay, cool. Hey, Tyrone, will you mentor me so that I can take over next Sunday and be the pastor of the church? No, but that might happen when the time is right one of the reasons you guys have been hearing from me more is because Steve actually gave up an opportunity to speak and said, I want Tony to do it. Like, I can't thank him enough for that moment. But for him, that's natural. Yeah, I want to see Tony take off. Like, I'm good. Like, let's go. Let's pour into you, man. Let's see, let's see these things grow in you. And so, like, when the time is right, though, the time might not be right for you for something that you want to get elevated into. And that's wisdom. Let me tell you right now, 10, 15 years ago, I knew I was called to be a pastor. Lord was very clear. Tony, I want you to follow me. I want you to preach the word. And I was good at it. Like, I was really good at speaking. I would do it all the time. Uh, I would go to, like, different youth ministries. And people were like, here's the mic. And I would talk all the time. But what was my fruit? My fruit was bad. Like, I would literally leave an engagement with a microphone and go hang out with a girl and do stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Um, I would not open my Bible at all because I had talent. I know I can use this microphone. I'm not the kind of person that you need to ask, like, Tony, I really need you to get up there and use the microphone. I'm like, yo, let's go. Like, Right? You got to take this thing away from me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Andrew's like, yes, that's exactly it. Ah, oh, I love you, man. So, but my fruit wasn't there. Straight up. But I was good at it. And if the Lord had allowed me to be elevated 15 years ago, where would I be? It is the Lord's grace that I had to wait. It is the Lord's grace that I was not elevated even five years ago or 10 years ago. Because I've had the talent. I can talk. I can engage with you guys. Everyone's eyes are looking at me right now, right? I have seen people talk and everyone's looking down. I've seen it. Right, I know I can use this microphone, but I would just fail if I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Jude's trying really hard not to look at me now that I said that. He's like... (laughs) But I would just fail. It is the grace of God that he made me wait, and he he beat crap out of me and allowed me to become more like him before he gives me a platform at all. That's his grace. All right. And then... Number four, the times seven rule. This one's a weird one. I made this up myself, but I feel like it's Holy Spirit inspired, okay? So, but I'm just being honest. Paul said that once, so I'm going to say it too. Paul said, um, this isn't from me, but, or this isn't from God, but it's from me, but I'm putting it in the Bible uh, because I know the Lord speaks through me. So I'm going to say the same. The times seven rule. When I talk with Steve, I look at what Steve has done. I look at Steve's ministry. I look at the people he's invested in. And I have committed, between him and the Holy Spirit, I've committed that I'm going to do seven times greater than what Steve has done. And what does Steve say? Let's go. Like, Steve is excited at the idea that I would do seven times greater than him. Right? On the flip side, when I talk to somebody like Clayton and I'm investing in Clayton's life, I want to see Clayton do seven times greater than me. And am I upset if Clayton becomes you know the next biggest christian you know minister no because the gospel is being spread so it's not about me in the end it's about jesus right it's not about steve steve is not offended if i do seven times greater than him he's excited he got to be a part of that and the same way i am excited that i get to take everything i get from steve and i go invest it in somebody else so the seven times rule you're looking for somebody who is willing and and they are they are not somebody who is going to say I want you to be at least as good as me. No, you want a mentor who is looking for you to be better than them. And that's a good relationship. That's a good relationship. I know we are weird in that. Like the Christian church or America in general, we always want people to be like one step below us. No, we need to get out of the way. It's about the Holy Spirit. I once heard a pastor say this. If you think you're like a five, then the person that you want to replace you you should be looking for a seven, not a three. But most people are looking for a three. Let's be real. So when you're looking for a person of integrity, when you're when you're reaching out to the Holy Spirit and saying, all right, Spirit, give me somebody, um, this person should be excited at the idea of you killing it. Cool? All right. So now, how can you be a good mentee or a good disciple? So, Number one, be consistent, early, and eager. Now, I say this hypocritically. You can ask Steve. I am never early, but I'm trying. (laughs) Be consistent, early, and eager. I honestly believe um, you should be meeting with a mentor, at least a mentor, once a week. Once a week. Again, it's life giving, so don't think about it like oh, another thing on my calendar. This is like lunch, <laughs> right? Like this is good for you. So um, be consistent, as in, you know, do whatever you have to do to make sure that meeting happens. Move mountains if you have to, to make sure that meeting happens. What's your mentor's availability? Cool, that's now my availability too, right? do not expect a mentor to change their entire life around to be able to meet with you once a week. You do the opposite and you will then gain a relationship and trust with them and then they will be willing to move things around for you. But you need to be willing to do it first. Be uh, be early. Don't make them wait on you. Again, I'm sorry, Steve. I hate mornings, uh, but breakfast at OBH is amazing. All right. Um, and then be eager or in other words, desperate. Just be desperate for change. And you can't like create uh, being desperate, but I'm pretty sure most of us in this place are desperate for something to change in our lives. Let's be real. So be desperate. Be eager to learn from this person. Number two, this is the most important I think, is be fully submitted. Be ready to be fully submitted We do not understand submission in in America. We're just horrible at this. Um, But if you want a great example, I'll tell you super fast about the dude David, who was Solomon's dad, right? David was under King Saul, and Saul wanted to kill David. And for years, Saul kept trying to kill David. But David kept submitting to Saul. If Saul said, jump, he said, how high? If Saul said, I'm throwing the spear at you, he would just go, ooh, and, and dodge it right? And he would keep doing that for years, ultimately to the point where at one point they're in a cave. Saul is in this cave. He is using the bathroom in the cave and David comes up behind him and he cuts a little piece of his cloak off. And then he shows, he shows Saul outside like, hey, the Lord put you before me. I could have killed you, but I am submitted to God. He has made you an authority in my life and I will not kill you. This guy sucked. (laughs) Saul wanted to kill him and just kept trying because he was jealous of him. And David refused to remove him as an authority in his life. So that's the quick version, y'all. Be ready to have authority in your life. And when I I had this relationship with Steve, I I was looking at changing work. I was uh, working in one area with Amazon. I was looking at going to a different spot with Amazon. And it seemed perfect on paper. I'm like, yo, my hours are going to be more flexible. My job is going to be way less stressful. This sounds great. And so I went to Steve and I said, what do you think? And I was willing to hear what Steve had to say. And if Steve said, I don't think the spirit is in it, don't do it. It didn't matter what it looked like on paper. What mattered is my authority in my life said no. And so I would have to stop and listen to Steve. We went through a hard time. Rachel and I... um, Earlier this last year, I say earlier this year, but this year just started. (laughs) So last year, um, we had a situation where somebody came to us and said, hey, we have a a two-year-old girl and we want you to adopt her. And um, long story short, no offense to the people, um, but after like a nine-month process of us being ready to adopt, I mean, we literally got certified, everything's good to go. This family came and said, hey, um, we're actually going to keep her. And so we spent nine months preparing for something that didn't happen. And that was hard, y'all. In fact, the same the day that they told us that wasn't going to happen um, was the weekend of the Freedom Conference. And so I had to come to the Freedom Conference after literally having this ripped from my hands, uh, and then I had to speak. And it was only the Holy Spirit that let me get through there, but... But what really happened is I came up and Steve was standing up here for the prayer team and I walked right up to him and I just broke down. And Steve got to be my brother in that moment, which encouraged me and built me up and helped me be prepared for the next day when I had to speak. Because the Holy Spirit is greater than any bit of our circumstances. And he moved through Steve in that moment. And so, but Steve and I had many conversations about this specific little girl and we prayed and we prayed and we had visions and we really believe like this is the way it's going to go. And then we're told, no, what do you do when you spend this time with your mentor and and your mentor says, this is what's going to happen. And that doesn't happen. What do you do? You trust the Lord. It's not Steve's fault. He listened to the Lord. I listened to the Lord. I thought the same thing. I heard the same thing. What we we didn't know was just about a month later, we were approached with the ability to adopt our now daughter. um, And this makes way more sense. Like we could see how the Holy Spirit was in it from the beginning. um, But we thought maybe we saw a particular little girl. And so we stepped back and we said, Lord, we know that you're moving in this. uh, and, And we know that like we can just trust you. And there was nothing wrong with the fact that Steve and I may have saw something slightly off or maybe we interpreted something slightly off, right? Uh, but the Holy Spirit is still in that. And, and so, so, but I was willing in that moment to say, hey, Steve, I, I, I don't want like a cheap imitation, right? So this thing shuts down and then immediately we're flung with this, hey, will you adopt this other girl? And the last thing Rachel and I wanted to do was go, yeah, just give us a baby, right? Because that's the very earthly thing that we like to do sometimes, right? Is go, this didn't work when we were trusting the Lord, so now I'm just gonna do it myself. And so we said, hey, we we just need to pray. And and I went to Steve with this, and I went to Tyrone and other people in my life, and I'm like, if you guys don't think the Holy Spirit is in this, I can say no. If you know me, there's, there's almost nothing I want more in this world than to be a father. And I'm willing to say no if the person I put as an authority in my life says no. That's how we submit. Be ready to be fully submitted. That leads into number three. Put expectations in Jesus and not on the mentor themselves. My expectations of when I meet with Steve and for my growth are 100% in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. It is not in Steve. I expect that Steve will speak from the Holy Spirit and that is gonna be life giving, but I do not expect Steve to come and change my entire life and fix everything. No. Steve is a conduit. He is somebody that the Lord can use, but I do not put any of that on him. And if any of it goes wrong, it's not Steve's fault. It is between us and the Holy Spirit, and we can navigate that together. Like, Steve and I had to have that conversation. Hey, we saw this. We believed this. You could not convince me at all that I wasn't going to get that two-year-old girl. You, there's no way. You could, literally could not convince me. And we had to navigate that together. And we did. And I think our relationship is stronger because we took that on together. And I didn't blame Steve and say, Oh, but you heard from the Lord that this is going to happen. How dare you? No, my expectations are not in Steve. My expectations are in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and number four, go and mentor someone else. Period. Jesus had 12 disciples quit everything and follow him. And then what did they do? they started the whole church. They were expected to, to go. They were expected to disciple other people. This is the only way mentorship really works, period. I have to meet with Steve because I know when I go to hang out with the men on, at Monday Men, like I got to have something to talk about, yo. <laughs> I got to get something from Steve to give it. Now, I'm already over time. My clock didn't work. So let me just land the plane with this. Jesus had 12 dudes follow him. One of those guys, after following him for 3 years, betrayed him and then ultimately killed himself. Another of them was Peter. Peter denied Jesus before a little girl. How embarrassing. The closest person to Jesus and basically besides John, right? Like this dude's right there and goes and denies him to a little girl. They spent all this time with Jesus one-on-one. They didn't fully understand him because Jesus' parables are interesting sometimes. They had this relationship, this mentorship, this discipleship relationship with Jesus. But dare I say it wasn't enough. Again, Judas betrayed him and killed himself. Peter didn't have... The ability to stand up and say, hey, yeah, I love Jesus. That's my guy over there that you're trying to kill. No, he's like, I don't know him. So what does that mean? After Jesus rose from the dead, he went to his disciples and he said, stay in Jerusalem because I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And after the Holy Spirit came onto that upper room in Jerusalem, then there was boldness. Then Peter was able to take all of that discipleship time with Jesus and use it. I am not saying that Jesus is less than the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is the revelation of Jesus is exponentially fast-forwarded, light speed, go, push, everything can, can break mountains, can do whatever when you have the Holy Spirit with you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit with you, I'll, I'll dare to say, you're just not going to grow. It's just not going to happen. You, you absolutely need the Spirit in order to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. If you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life, it only happens with the Holy Spirit. You can meet with somebody every week all you want to, but without the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. I think I said a lot today. Hopefully, you guys took notes um, because I'm not going to say it again. We're out of time. I say this all the time. If there's one thing you remember when you walk away from here, I got 37 one things, okay? But without the Holy Spirit, what are we, what are we? What is the church without the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit brings conviction. I don't know how many times have you realized after becoming a Christian that something you were doing before was wrong. And it was only because now you have the Holy Spirit in you telling you. Because you would have just kept doing it, right? The Holy Spirit is the secret sauce. My my daughter loves spaghetti. And for some reason she hates the meat in the sauce. I don't get it. It's like it's just tomatoes now and you hate those. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> but what is what is spaghetti without the sauce? Noodles. I know some of y'all love that. Put some butter on it with some salt. I get it. Analogies always break down. I get it. (laughs) What is spaghetti though without the sauce? What what is your life without the Holy Spirit? What are you expecting in your life without the Holy Spirit? Nothing. I I would venture to say, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, don't have any expectations. Just don't. Because it's not going to work out the way you want it to. So if I can pray for you all, I'll be honest, you guys, I'm terrified of praying about the Holy Spirit. I had a bad experience when I was a kid where somebody pressured me and pressured me and pressured me to speak in tongues. And so I just made up a language so she would get out of my face. And um, when I woke up the next morning and I tried to pray in tongues and it didn't sound like it did the next day, I knew I'd made it up. And um, But I believed it. I didn't just like make it up. Like I believed it because I had a natural response in who I was to like make this person like me. And I know y'all can understand that. <laughs> just a natural response. But I realized later like I made this up. And then I wrestled with is that even real? Like is praying in tongues even real? But what I learned was in this last year especially when I was when I was praying to the Lord and I just I just ran out of words to say. And my mouth just kept moving. And um Man, the Holy Spirit has so much more for our lives than even our words can say. And I don't think that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is 100% just about speaking in tongues. I think that's an amazing gift that we get from the Lord because like I said, our our, our words can only go so far. I don't have a great vocabulary. I sucked at school. Like, But at some point... When I'm praying and I just I don't have the words anymore, that language just begins to flow and I can't stop it. I even remember having this conversation with Steve. Is this even biblical? But all I can tell you is my tongue won't stop when I'm trying to. And I want that for everyone in this room. I want you all to have such a relationship with the Lord, um, such a growing time in your life where, man, your words can't even talk about it anymore and your heart just keeps going, your tongue just keeps going, and then you have boldness that comes with the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about inviting people for family month, how many of you all, let's be real, we're a little scared to invite somebody to come to church, like, that's me, right, I always think, ah, I don't want to mix work with, with life, I work for Amazon, this is not going to work out, I'm going to get fired, um, but then, a couple months ago, I prayed with this dude who's like super deep in HR. If there's anybody who's going to get me fired for praying for him at work, it's going to be a guy in HR. Uh, but he was going through it, and I was just like, can I pray for you? We Tell you what, a year ago, I would not have said that. But the Holy Spirit prompted me to pray for him, and that guy will do anything for me at work now. It's awesome. Look how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, it's it's not bad. He did it for me. I didn't do it. So if you want just stand with me,